Well, if you've been um, in this church, and Tim mentioned the Christmas Eve, Christmas Day uh, services, uh, you'll get this theme today as well. What is that theme? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the theme that is the most important theme for all of us to consider. So from time to time, we have someone in our fellowship give a testimony. Uh, today is one of those days. Uh, before I introduce that person, I just want to share a little bit about testimonies in general and the importance of taking your pen or your computer and writing it down. Um, writing down and clarifying your own testimony and reimagining, uh, even rethinking through you placing your faith in Christ, where your life was at and what that meant um, regarding the change of course. The second part of that is to look at the fruit since that time. Where has my faith brought me in Christ? And to consider these things and to make sure that your election is sure. Um, to just re, really uh, recapture this, um, in 2 Corinthians 13.5, Paul instructs them, test yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourselves, or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? We hear in 2 Peter chapter 1, Now for this very reason also I am applying all diligence. Is that always true with me? All diligence? I don't think so. All diligence in your faith, supplying moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind, or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, and if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. The scripture provides clarity uh, regarding effective faith, effectual faith, faith saving faith. Take stock in what it teaches, and humble yourself before it to ensure that you do not fail that test. Do you listen to the great shepherd as Tim talked about? Do you know his voice and does he know yours? I think I see everywhere throughout the gospels, throughout the epistles, um, elements of, of testimony that's been given to us. We see it in 1 John, we see it in most of Paul's epistles. We even see Paul's confession at some points in time where he's struggling. We see him recount things since he was called by Christ on the road to Damascus. We see him share these things with others, which emboldens him uh, to preach the gospel all with more clarity. What about the book of 1 John, John that we've been studying earlier, or the book of James, which is a book of tests um, regarding salvation? How are you doing in your growth and sanctification? Where are your passions in life? Where are your idols in life? It's a great list to make. 
Are you becoming increasingly sensitive to your own sin? Write it down. Share your struggles with others. Pray for each other and encourage each other. These things we need to do as the day approaches all the more. Um, We're going to have Yogi today share his testimony, and I'm going to pray for him before he comes up. And I just look forward to hearing from Yogi and hearing what the Lord has done within him and his written testimony of which he has prepared for a very long time. And so let's just close our eyes and pray for him and for the Holy Spirit to work through his his presentation to us. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the work that you have done on our behalf and for the forgiveness of sin afforded by you through faith in Christ. We thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit who seals our salvation and convicts and pricks our hearts. Help us to be sensitive to sin within our lives and to confess it quickly so that we may be found faithful and that we we may be fruitful for your honor and for your glory, that our worship would be robust. Help us to be salt and light in the world, having lives that are set apart for your glory. Be with Yogi today as he shares what, what you have accomplished in him. Help us to listen so that we too may follow the path of repentance and and seeking your salvation, and that we may continually be grateful for the salvation that we have. Lord, help us to call others to faith in Christ on a more regular basis, with more boldness, as we see the work that you have accomplished in his life and the life of others. Lord, I pray that you would be with us all as we listen to these things, that you might be glorified, that we might be worshiping you more each day, and be sanctified in you. In your name I pray, amen. Come on up, brother. Well, I usually sit up here in the front, so I don't get a chance to see all the way in the back, usually. And uh, we're very fortunate to be able to come to an organized church that loves Christ, that's willing to share Christ. As uh, we go about our lives, as Tim was so uh, beautifully spoke that uh, this time of the year, the the culture of our system we live in, they uh, make uh, what we're going to do this year, uh, let's make big plans for this. For you're the redeemed of the Lord. Your plan should be, how do I share Christ more? The organized church Eric and Dylan, I hope we can start this year as a evangelization to share Christ. No, that's a great command that we have. That isn't flippant, maybe do I want to or not. That's a command by the authority of Christ himself. Over 2,000 years, more than that, people have been butchered. They've been burned at the stake. They've been cut in two. unimaginable horror and terror. Why? Because of the truth of the gospel. The Lord says, the gates of Hades will not prevail. His remnant will always stand. If you're the redeemed of the Lord, our minds do not take us to the riches 
who we are in Christ. It's all about him, not us. So I thank you for the opportunity. I pray for this church. We'll speak more of evangelization. And as John said many times, it isn't the organized church, it's the lay people who go out. Tell your neighbor, tell the person next to you what Christ has done for you. I'm going to read two verses here, and I'm going to pray. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Those words are from Christ our Lord himself. He's the King of glory, the King of grace. And how do we do that? It says, teaching them to deserve all that I command it's not a will, or do I want to do this? No. He commands it. And lo, who gives you the power to do this? I am with you always. We can't do it on our own. We need the Holy Spirit of Christ indwelling us. So I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. You're the redeemed. Christ lives in you. If you're not, he's not in you. I'm going to pray here in a minute, and then we'll go into the testimony of the Lord's grace. But I pray that uh, you don't listen to me, listen to the, the words of the glorious gospel message. That's where the truth the only truth you're going to find in this God, this satanic culture we live in, is right here. But let's not live in a bubble just here. Take it out. As the redeemed before us did. Father, thank you that an unworthy sinner like me can stand and share your holy thoughts, your holy word. The redeemed of the Lord can stand and with boldness and proclaim Christ. It's your power. It's not mine. It's your redeeming love for an unworthy sinner who brought nothing but brokenness and sin to the foot of the cross. And this is what you cherish the most. So that those redeeming words Always, always come to the forefront. Go into all the nations and tell the world of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Matthew 28, 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The purpose of the organized church is making disciples of all nations. That's a command. The motive of that purpose is to glorify our Heavenly Father above all things. 
That's the motive. And the mission that Christ talks about flows out of the motive. That mission is to win lost souls for Jesus Christ. The church's mission is not simply to convert, but to teach, to prayer, to praise, teaching, fellowshipping, learning God's truth, are all elements of preparation for the real task, which is evangelizing the lost for the world. You can teach, you can train, you can pray. We're fortunate to have that here, but you must go and I must go to win the lost world for Christ. And it's whose power is it? Not ours. Lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. No one is a true disciple apart from personal faith in Jesus Christ. No one. And there is no true disciple apart from an obedient heart that desires to please the Lord in all things. Hard words, don't but only a obedient heart can do this. If you don't have that, you're going to live in a life that just goes out to the world every day. And we must pray that to be hard and hard to soften, as you'll see what the Lord did for me. And many here. Doesn't need to be explosive like you're going to hear mine. Could be a slow, gradual process. Maybe your third, fourth generation family of believers. Or maybe one like me, the first generation, never knew anything of this holy Lord who can redeem lost sinners. And that's what he loves. Even though we come with hate in our minds, he still loves you. It's mind-boggling. How can this be? So as I go, listen to the Lord. I hope I pray he touches your heart. So how do I describe the supernatural? It's only through the power of God and his spirit, the strengthener who strengthens us through his spirit, through the washing of Christ's blood, resulting in transformation and redemption for an unworthy sinner who brought nothing but the ugliness of sin to the foot of the cross. James 2, 14, 26, what Kathy loves down here. True saving faith is manifested by works produced by God in transformation, in regeneration, power of the Holy Spirit. The most loving, compassionate thing I could ever do for you is just tell you the truth. Pilate said, what is truth? The gospel is the truth. The only truth you're ever going to find in this God, this culture. This will be God's testimony of his eternal work of total transformations. Romans 8.13 
an unworthy sinner being placed into Christ. We're placed into him. Union of a believer with Christ placed into his death, his burial, his resurrection. They become our own. Ephesians 4.24, and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness. Once again, we find truth in God's word. Renewal of the mind and salvation. Transformation of the old to the new. You must understand this. This is all you get today. Understand this. You must understand the old is not repaired. Christ didn't repair. It's replaced. The battle of the old is gone. The truth of Jesus Christ has been revealed. There's many facilities that try to help. You'll see the alcohol problems, the drug problems I had here coming up. They always repair. Do they help? But the battle is always there. You can't replace morality. You can't replace the battle within man's soul. Only Christ can do that. It's uh, very revealing, as Dylan said. I've, I've spoken many times on this, but I never really wrote it out. And uh, it's very uh, revealing. It takes you back to many things, and most of them are not good. But he's the redeemer of lost souls. And every one of us must be willing to obey his command to tell someone. Make that your prized possession for this year today. Tell somebody. It's not in your power what you say. It's in Christ. Colossians 3.10 says that it put on a new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. He's our creator. Colossians 2.10, in him you have made complete. He is the head over all rule and authority. Christ is the completer. You have been made full in him. He makes everything he touches. The old is gone. He doesn't repair. He renews the soul of man. Psalm 8510. Good morning. I wake up. Psalm 8510. This is beautiful. Loving kindness and truth 
Once again, we find this word truth. Loving kindness and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. You know what he's saying? These four qualities, loving kindness, truth, righteousness, peace, are characterizing the atmosphere of the future kingdom of Christ. That's the redeemed of the Lord. Loving kindness and truth meet. Righteousness and peace, they kiss each other. What a beautiful thought. You're of the redeemed. That's your future hope. If you're not, it's not yours. It can be. You may have walked in one way, but you have the opportunity here at the end of this testimony to walk out a new person. Romans 6, 4, the life of God in the soul of man. Leviticus 10, 3 says, it is what the Lord spoke. Let this testimony be what our Lord intends me to say Nothing more, nothing less. It is not about me. It's all to the glory of our Heavenly Father. I'm a first-generation believer in our family. My human father was a mean alcoholic. I really don't remember too much of my childhood with him. But there's one deep-seated memory of those preschool days that I've never forgotten. And have thought about it many times over all these years, and that is, I remember sitting at the kitchen table hiding my face behind two cereal boxes. He was drunk, fighting with my mom. The police were there trying to restrain him. One officer said to him, look what you're doing to your son. He's trying to hide from you, from your behavior. That's about the last thing I remember about him. I'm guessing that's about the time the divorce happened. My mother raised my brother and me by herself until she remarried again. This was a very hard time for her because she had no driver's license and she had to work. So we were basically left alone. But she did remarry another drinker. Different from my dad as my dad would go on weak or two long binges where he would lose his job, not pay the rent, buy food. My stepdad, he would be a weekend drunk. I don't think he liked my brother and me very much. As I can remember one time, I was very young. I was walking up the stairs of this house. And he was coming down the stairs, and he pushed me off the stairs, telling me, get out of my way. But he did provide food and housing for us until the day he died. But once again, he lived the life of an alcoholic. Just living for the weekend so he could go drink with his buddies. 
Anybody share Christ with him? I have no idea. Only the Lord knows. Could he have been of the redeemed? I don't know. Only the Lord knows. As time went by, I'm guessing I was 10 or so now. Somehow we got in contact with my dad. He lived down in Minneapolis. And my brother and I would take the bus down to see him now and then. I do remember how I wanted that relationship with him. <coughs> I wanted to have a father also. Well, here's the second thing that still haunts me to this day. This is a long time. I'm in the 70s. I remember he said he would take me to ball game one day. And oh, I waited for that day to happen. And lo and behold, the day came. Couldn't believe it. But we were heading to the, the ball game, the Minnesota Twins here. He made a stop and picked up another boy, one of his friend's sons. That day, I wanted that day so badly to be with him. It just hurt me. Well, we did go to the, day, the game, but my dad wanted the other boy to sit by him. It seemed like I was just left out. That's really all I remember of that day. The third thing about him that still haunts me, as painfully to this day, which I've only told one person very little about, Imagine it must have been 12 or 13. My brother had basically stopped going to see our dad because his drinking had gotten so bad he just couldn't trust being around him. He was mean when he drank. And you'll see that's where I ended up. One night in his drunken stupor, the unimaginable happened. Here, a young boy just wanted to have a loving father fulfilled his sexual desires with me. I won't go into details with this. This pretty much ended any chance of me having this loving father relationship with him. And that never happened again. I think... Uh, hurts more inside than the physical. There's a thought and pain of it. But uh, praise the Lord. Well, even at such a young age, seeing all that alcohol has destroyed in my life and my family, one would think I'd have sense enough to stay away from that. But even the darkened heart of a young boy of 13 was now being drawn to the deeds of the flesh. Galatians 5.19 Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, dissensions, factions, envying, Drunkenness, carousing.
See, this is not simply the physical body, but includes the mind, the will, emotions are all subject to sin. It refers generally to our unredeemed humanity. It's who we are. I got my name Yogi from playing baseball. 13 to 15, I played Babe Ruth ball. 15 is where the sins of the flesh are becoming very evident. From a young boy craving love to be imprisoned in St. Cloud Penitentiary, all before the age of 21. The next six years is just a roller coaster of trouble. Please with gangs, juvenile detention centers, knives, guns, razor blades, alcohol, LSD. I've been in two mental facilities, and one placed by the courts and one by my mother. Rejection by the Marine Corps, rejection by the draft board during Vietnam. Out of school for the first two weeks in 10th grade, city jails, county jails, finally all ending up in St. Cloud Reformatory. The story just goes on and on. That's why as I wrote this out, it's bringing back a lot of memories that we won't bring up, but it's a never-ending hopelessness. The alcohol was now consuming me, even as a minor, there always seemed to be parties happening where alcohol and drugs were abundant. I was becoming my dad. I was a mean drunk, fighting, abusive language. It even made me sick. Vulgar, vile, blasphemy in our Lord's name just continually. But there's no stopping now. I continue to do things that would draw attention to me. I was craving for affection, but my alcohol abuse was driving me farther away as the friends I once had were now wanting nothing to do with me. So what do you do? I start to seek out others. I don't want people to start feeling sorry because we have a whole world of young people like this today. You're here, you're fortunate with your mother and father who taught you. We have a whole world where they don't get that. You tell them, Christ. I was now 17 and once again in juvenile court. Judge told me I better join the military. He's going to send me away for a long time. I had a strong yearning for the Marine Corps, so one day my mother and I went to see the Marine recruiter, being that I was still a minor. Well, that didn't take very long. This recruiter saw right through me. 
told me he wasn't interested in me. Once again, rejection. This is something I thought would help the direction of my life, but it finds me just seeking deeper into loneliness, increasing in darkness, and moral blindness is the result. What you take in, you become. Ephesians 4.18, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God, because of ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. Hmm. And they having become callous, having given themselves over, sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Life seemed hopeless, empty. Rejection would just lead to more anger. I was bitter, angry, drunk. <laughs> Things didn't matter. People didn't Nothing mattered. My next attempt at joining the military came when I was 18. I had to register for the draft, you see. This is now during the middle of Vietnam. The war for sure, they would draft me. So my time came to register and have a physical. I was strong, healthy. Just another body to fight this war. Well, once again, it seemed like this draft physician could see beyond the physical part to my mindless, alcoholic lifestyle. Rejection again. Even the Vietnam draft didn't want anything to do with me. There were three different classes, 1A, 1Y, and 4F. Yeah. 4F means you're not wanted for any military duty. Mil any military service for any reason whatsoever. That was me. Ephesians 4.19 they have become callous, having given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. See, it's very important. Constant choices we're always making. We're always making constant choices. Choices become habit. Becomes your personality becomes your character, which determines your destiny. My destiny seemed empty, vain, without any meaning whatsoever. Even though we were mostly minors, it seemed like we partied and drank every weekend. There came a time at these parties where 
I would start cutting myself with razor blades. I still have many scars all over to prove it. I have the scars to remind me of it. But it wasn't that I was drunk, I just the opposite. Drinking but sober. I was so craving for attention. The loneliness of life was making me hard like a rock. All the while, what I was longing for closeness, companionship, friendship, I was driving what friends I did have away. Because either they or myself wouldn't know what I was going to do next. Came in another time where I got in a fight with two gang members. One just happened to be the leader. I was with one of the few friends I did have at a drive-in restaurant. I was in the car, he was in the restaurant. Well, they came out, the two gang members were hassling my friend. So, of course, here I go. I go up to their car wanting to fight. Well, they wouldn't get out of the car. So I blasted this passenger through the window. And they left. Well, I thought that was the end of it, but I was mistaken. They happened to be the leader of a gang called the Little Boys. They were on St. Louis Park, which there meant nothing to me. Well, the word got out in the street how this gang was going to pay me back. I lost my I have lost my place here. Well, the word got on the home to pay me back. So I figured if they were going to get me. What have I got to lose? I live hopelessly, don't really care for life in the first place. What if I got to lose? I have a pistol. If this does come down about, I'll just shoot this leader and whoever else I can. What else can I say but the truth? You see, the darkness of my hardened heart had led me to the point of being a would-be killer. With no remorse or concern for anyone or anybody. First Peter 3.9 Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. That's what the Lord says. Well, there was no blessing coming from me, only evil. Well, that night did come about. I was working at an all-night gas station in Hopkins. One early morning there, they came, there had to be 20 or more of them. I was inside the front, and they were outside screaming at me to come out. 
Well, I brought that pistol with me. I had it in the back room, so I figured this is it. This is going to go down. So I proceeded to fetch this gun and go out to them. Just at that moment, a police car came in and broke it all up. My own darkened thinking, I figured, well, this isn't over yet. As the time went by, one of the gang members started to work with me, all things. We actually, we didn't become friends, but we were decent to each other. This gas station, he would tell me of their plans of what they were going to do and how they were going to take care of me. Even though I knew nothing nor cared to know anything of the Lord, he stopped this would-be killer. I was in darkness, controlled, empowered by evil. I don't know. Would I have actually done it? You know what? Probably. Probably it would have been easy. The people we hear about every day do the same thing. They get in a dark and hardened heart of man. Every one of us could pull that trigger. If it wasn't for the redeeming grace of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4, 18, 19, being dark in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, and they having become callous, having given themselves over to sensuality for every practice of every kind, impurity with greediness. That's the darkened heart of man. There's no escaping it. God puts restraints. He gives us police. He gives us the church. He gives us marriage, the bond marriage. He gives us prayer. All these restraints the Lord gives us to stop the evil heart of man and woman. But this evil, satanic system we live in today have destroyed that. God's restraints are going where there will just be evil for evil. That's what man wants. And that's what man's going to get. As you see, that was the end of it. Nothing ever came about this gang and me again. Only the Lord knows. I don't know what would happen. During this time period, LSD, a hallucinated drug, was widely known and used. Although I was a drinker, alcoholic, I started to get involved with LSD and the people that sold and used it. 
One night I was given a four-way tab. It's, you see, LSD meaning you cut the pill in four ways and four people could get stoned. Well, one night I was drinking. I just decided I'll just take the whole pill. And for the next three days, I was stoned. I was scared, hallucinating. I remember seeing my legs walk away from me, laughing at me. I can remember another time where a snowplow was coming at me, and the blade, blade came off and was heading right for me. I was always wondering what would happen if that blade would hit me. And this was during the summer. And there's many more things. Those three days I was up. But with alcohol, as we'll see later in this testimony, blackouts of the mind are very common for the alcoholic. But with LSD, I can remember everything about those three days. I don't hallucinate anymore. I just remember. This scared me to the point that I never did LSD or any other drug again. I was totally consumed with alcohol. I didn't drink to enjoy it. I drank to get drunk. Period. Nothing else mattered. Nobody else mattered. Psalm 107.10 There were those who dwelt in darkness in the shadow of death, prisoners in misery and chains. There's so much more that could be written about my starving for affection, my drunken driving accidents, theft, robbery, physical fighting with police, driving a car over a cliff, putting it in the Minnesota River, decent liberties. I didn't even know what that was. FBI come into our house to take away my guns, jails, mental institutions, leaving school in the 10th grade, bad company, bad morals, lying, deceitful, lusting after the flesh, having a car without driver's license, Spending time in the Hennepin County workhouse, all leading to the point of incarceration in St. Cloud Penitentiary. That's where it finally landed me, the heart of man, the deceitful heart of man. During this time, I started to work in the kitchen. And as time went by, and I was sober, I was elevated working in the butcher shop, cutting meat. I was even given an outside pass to pick up chickens and bring back to feed the people. During our courtyard outside time, there were football, baseball, basketball, teams that would play against each other. And I was young, strong, and I could play these sports. 
the managers, they would always pick me because they'd want me to be on their team. For the first time in my life, I felt wanted, needed. The prison guards would trust me with knives and going outside of the prison walls. It's ironic. The outside world offered me nothing but misery and chains. Yet being incarcerated behind these walls offered me a bit of what I so longed for. That was being wanted. My first parole hearing, they wanted to release me to a facility that was more relaxed. I think it was Lionel Lakes or something. I told him I would prefer to stay where I was because I was learning a trade. And just maybe by living in these surroundings with these people, it would help me in this outside world that I so struggled in. The parole board agreed, and there I stayed till the next parole meeting. And I was released. Pretty ironic. A darkened heart of man, his sinful heart, he does in this culture. Without the restraints is what feeds man with evil upon evil. Luke 16, 45. The good man out of good treasures of his heart brings forth what is good. The evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. Trust me, my beloved, these words, complete opposite from what I spoke in these first 30 years. Today, by the glory of our King, I can speak what he wants me to say. It's only his grace. No work of mine, undeserved. Being part of the parole was that you had to have a place to work, a job, before release. I moved back to my mother's. Thanks to the butcher training, I was able to get a job in the meat factory. Things were okay for a while, though I'd never been responsible in anything my mother signed for. Get a new car, a 70 Torino. Man, I thought that was really hot stuff. Convertible. Well, you'll find out what I did with that. Well, now I was of legal age to drink. And it didn't take long for me to be right back where I was before. Only worse, because now I also was drinking during the week. My speech had become obscene, degrading, foolish, dirty, well as suggestive and moral. My life pattern is one of habitual immorality, morality, impurity, greed, Drunkenness, characterized by persistent sin, 
who shows no shame for that sin. Darkness describes the life of the unconverted, void of truth in intellectual and moral matters. If you're not living today the Spirit of Christ indwelling you, this describes the life of the unconverted. Hard words? Well, no, that's what the Lord spoke. If you're going to argue, argue with him. One night I got so drunk that I was speeding down the highway in that 70 Torino. And as I crossed the lane, I ran headlong into another car, totaling both cars. Putting both people in the hospital, I woke in the heart floor with heart monitor on me, and I wondered where I was. As I was sobering up in the hospital, I was wondering how this other person was, and I wanted to apologize, more to appease my own guilt than anything, not concerned for her whatsoever. The other person was a lady in her 70s. She was in the ICU in very critical condition. They wouldn't tell me no more or let me ever see her. In those days, we didn't have the laws governing drunken driving. And nothing ever came about it. The heart monitor discovered a regular heartbeats and advised me I needed to continue my follow-up with this heart specialist. Well, I did, and during one of those visits, he told me if I didn't change my lifestyle, I would be dead by 25. That was the last time I saw him. I thought to myself, who needs him? Not me. I can do whatever I want to do. Nobody matters. It's only my lust for evil. The next seven or eight years, I became Isaiah 5.11. Woe to those who rise early in the morning that they pursue strong drink, who stay up late in the evening that wine may inflame them. There was no end, morning, noon, or night. My craving for alcohol has now progressed to weekends, weekdays, now binge drinking three or four days at a time. These years find me entrenched in bitterness, bar brawls, drunkenness, passed out on the streets, waking up in strange places, sleeping with strangers, city and county jails for drunkenness, Lying, stealing, nothing or nobody else mattered. Only my pursuit of alcohol. People didn't want to be around me because I was an ugly drunk. 
Nobody knew what I would do next, for the blackouts became a regular part of my alcoholic lifestyle. I would hear of things during the blackouts and just head my, hang my head in shame when I was sober, blaming everyone else for my problems. At one time, I was able to hold on a job and all the drunken stupor I so craved just consuming me. Nothing else really mattered. I'm not only hating life, but I hate the lifestyle, the behavior, my conduct. I find myself wanting death. This life in the flesh offers me only anger, hatred, drunkenness, darkness that I can't stop. Once again, the world offers you repair. Christ offers you renewal, replacement. It's only through him. Galatians 5, 19, 20, 21, Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, all births of anger, disputes, dissension, factions, envying, drunkenness, and carousing. The Lord's words are true, and I'm identifying with just that. I got married when I was 23. We had a son. I even had a good job. But my binge drinking had got me fired from that. The wife and son had left me because of my binge drinking, staying gone for days at a time, never saying where I was or what I was doing. But she knew all along. She had had enough. These years found me drowning in self-pity. I had not only lost good jobs, but I had two houses foreclosed on, defiled bankruptcy. Friends I did have, didn't want, it, want to be around me because of things I did to them and their wives in my blackout darkness state. I was angry, lonely, hurting, living in the bar scene, chasing anybody who would be with me. I was in the darkness of sin and hatred. I hated the life I was living for there seemed no way out. I was driven deeper and deeper into the ugliness of sin and despair. No hope, no peace. Life seemed useless. Alcohol was the only temporary relief and peace I could find that I so desperately needed. This beautiful psalm, it says, Psalm 4, verses 6 to 8. Many are saying, who will show us any good? Lift up the light of your countenance upon us, O Lord. You have put gladness in my heart, more than when their grain and new wine abound. 
peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone make me to dwell in safety. Once again, that verse is saying, rest because of God's personal blessings. Not man's. Not your ivory towels. Not building your ego, thinking it's all about me, me, me. Self. We have this evil inside us that want to think of self, self, self. No. No. Humble yourself before the Lord. Put him in that place. I so longed for that gladness, rest, peace, and safety. This seemed hopeless. I was a broken sinner, hollowing in the darkness of mind, will, and soul. In 30 years of life, I could never find or give the love I so longed for. Ephesians 4, 31, 32, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Along with all malice, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. I didn't know nor understand the workings of the Lord, the new birth, the regeneration of a lost sinner from before time existed, was now starting to come to light. I didn't understand it. Second Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any was in Christ is a new creature, the old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. You said, what is he talking about? I don't get it. I'm now living, I'm now 30, living in the second house that will be foreclosed on. Alone, the wife and son are gone. The friends I did have are gone. They wanted nothing to do with me. I thought if I could just get help for this alcohol problem. So I put my self into an alcoholic drug rehabilitation center for 30 days. This was a co-ed center. Each had their own sleeping quarters, but during the day, we would be together. There was a young lady there that went to Bible college. And I continued to ask her about the Bible. And why did she go to Bible college? Oh, it's just so interesting. Wanted more information about this holy book. I had never wanted anything to do with the Bible before. So why now? I, I had no answers. After my stay was over, I did go to AA. I didn't stay for many sessions because it just didn't seem right to me. I didn't understand what was happening, but I just knew there had to be more of knowing this God. My insights were longing to discover more. 
I didn't know what was happening. I knew nothing of this holy water. I shamed him. I hated him and I rejected him. I hated love. What has happened? I don't know. Alcohol was the only temporary release and peace I found and I so desperately needed. I didn't know any of these verses. All the future held for me with death by myself, for the hatred of others would do it for me. I so longed for that gladness, rest, peace, and safety. This seemed hopeless. I was a broken sinner, hollowing in darkness of mind, will, and soul. Thirty years of life I could never find nor give the love I so longed for. Ephesians 4, 31, 32, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Listen to those words. Does this satanic culture we live in give you that truth? Only the redeemed of the Lord. I didn't know nor understand the workings of the Lord, the new birth, the regeneration of a lost sinner from before time existed, and now starting to come to life. I was living in the second house to be foreclosed on, and it seemed like every time I turned on the TV, Billy Graham was preaching. And he wasn't, of course, but it just seemed like it, in my own mind. He was always preaching. You know what Billy Graham did? He always preached the same message. It may have been different wording. But that message was always, repent of your sins. Repent of your sins. My older brother and his wife were saved. He started to give a Bible study at my house, my mother's house, about being born again. I did go a couple of times, usually to laugh and sneer at him, but inside those words are haunting me. Ephesians 4.24 And put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and Holiness, and here's that word again, truth. Could any of this be for me? My brother had asked me to go to church with him. I made such a fuss about how that church thing wasn't for me. And inside my soul was longing to know more. He only went a few times, but that eventually would bring me to my knees. As I sat alone, desperate for something, anything, any hope that would bring me any peace in this world, I had such an overwhelming need to go back to that church and talk to somebody, anybody, 
Well, it was dark out. The church was locked up. <clears throat> so I turned around and to leave, and I saw a big oak tree, and I pulled over that tree, and I got on my knees, and I cried out. moment this is uh seemed like it was yesterday jesus if you're there my life is out of control i need you to take control forgive me for my sins and the life i live I have no idea if you're there or not. I bring nothing to you but the ugliness of sin. I have nothing to offer but brokenness. Well, there are so many verses I could write about this transforming power of Christ. But I feel this is fitting to bring glory to our Lord Jesus Christ, for this testimony is about his glory and not mine. Charles Wesley wrote this great hymn. And can it be, long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin in nature's night, my eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. I would like to add a couple of words to this great hymn. This is what happened to me on June 10th. 1980. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I went I rose, went forth, and praise God, I'm still following thee. From the moment I rose from my knees, the alcohol, the drugs, smoking, and battered life that I wrote about is now in the past. I've never had any withdrawals, never even so much have had an urge to take drugs, even to swear. I used our Lord's name in vain continually. The life I now live, I live in Christ. How can this be for a sinner like me? Still is uh, hard to wrap my own head around. Psalm 8510, here we are. 
Loving kindness and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Does the world offer you that? No. Only the blood of that glorious Lord of ours can do that. You notice he's not there. He's the risen. Ephesians 4, 22, 23, 24. That a reference to your former manner of life. You lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. That you be renewed, not repaired, renewed in the spirit of your mind. And put on the new self which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. You must understand the redeemed of the Lord. God does not repair. He renews. He replaces. The battle is gone. I'm a living testimony to that truth. The truth of Jesus Christ has been revealed. The most important question you'll ever have to answer because it affects your eternal destiny. What do you do with this God man from Nazareth? Jesus Christ, the Lord. I told you what I did. That answer to that question if you continue to reject the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will one day face him as your judge. In a moment, the Lord is going to give you an opportunity after we get done with this message, I'll pray and there'll be a song. If you're ready to bow before him on his holy throne of grace, you must understand. You can go in that room if you would. Our Heavenly Father is not looking for religion. God, our Father, is not looking for your good works. God is not looking for your temporal, emotional feelings. We will not be signing some card, and we will not be shouting, Hallelujah, I love Jesus. But I'll tell you what the Lord tells you he's looking for. Isaiah 66, 1 and 2. But to this one, I will look to him who is humble, contrite of spirit, and who trembles at my word. See, God is looking for a heart to dwell in. 
a heart that is tender and broken, not concerned with externalities of religion. God is looking for a heart to dwell in, a heart who takes his word seriously. Faith, you must come in faith. You must step out. But even that faith is God-given conviction. Promise of a resurrected life, forgiveness of sins, eternal heaven through Jesus Christ is true. And that conviction moves the will to ask God for that gift. That's saving faith. Exchanging living death for a dying life. Pray to God that he will give you that conviction to act on your will, to simply ask him for that gift. God, give me the gift of life. Your confession will be to repent, to know what Christ has done for you, to embrace him in faith as a substitute who took your place, to confess him as the risen Lord. My beloved is to be saved. If this is you, the Lord's calling you by his grace on your soul. I will pray in a moment. I believe we're going to sing a song. So you go, you go right to that room. If this is you, you've come by faith. No human achievement and bow before our Lord. Father, I, I confess I'm an unworthy sinner to speak for you. I pray that your words of truth and holy scripture would touch the hearts and minds of souls that are here. To know that your word is truth, is abounding in magnificence and glory that doesn't repair, but it replaces, it renews the battle hung on the cross at Calvary. I can only speak for me this story of the life transformation of a forgiven sinner that knew nothing of you, wanted nothing of you, that brought only brokenness and ugliness to the throne of grace. And this is what you cherish the most. Father, help these beautiful people here today. Speak your word of truth to all nations. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Not be ashamed, because our Lord will not be ashamed of you in front of his Father. For the blood 
of the holy ones that have gone before us reached out, shed their blood for this gospel truth. The Lord may not be asking that of you today or me, but he's commanding us to share the gospel message. I pray this church will take in the future more evangelization and independently each one of us will speak more of this glorious King of Grace who can only take away the pain of life and replace it with peace, righteousness, let's kiss each other. Thank you for this time. I believe Eric's going to sing. If this is you, go to that room, please. Dylan and Eric, myself, will meet you there. It's not religion. You come broken. Wanting the Lord to control your life.